Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Music. By Kevin McLeod. Hey man, let's go on a bike ride. Come on, look at look at my new wheel. They're sweet. There are really just two types of people: those who say I can't, and those who say I can. These people have been summoned here by themselves for their 1,700 different reasons. Their unity comes from their mantra, I can. And their destination, a place they absolutely have to get to. What they will do to get there is monumental by anyone's standards, even their own. All right, this is that place, as the song says, sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. The rest of the time, you're just pack filler. <laughs> everybody, we're getting good at this. We got like an intro now. Yeah. Um, welcome everybody to the show. Uh, Mark and Pat back in our pseudo studio. The studio's being kind of cleaned out, so we're in my dining room. But um, that's what the great thing about mobile podcasting is. Um, it, it is time once again for another show. Thank you again for all the downloads. Things are going out of control, and the numbers are going through the roof, and we appreciate everything that you kitties have been doing. It's yes, been awesome. and thank you, San Antonio. Exactly. San Antonio. <laughs> well, for some reason, the Australians are starting to load in. The uh, San Antonians are log- logging in, and um, it's just getting a little weird in terms of where all you people are finding us because hopefully we're entertaining for you though hopefully you want to listen to us some more and uh, i can only guess that the shows will get better the last show was so well structured that i don't know why why yeah. you wouldn't tune back in what's wrong with ooh shiny um, yeah <laughs> we were off on some tangents there but it was saint patrick's day and that was allowed 
that was. Um, speaking of the show, you can contact us anytime uh, through Skype, through Facebook, through Twitter, through email. Uh, just go to our website. If you can do it through your Android app, we would you can. love you. We yeah. have the Android app. Yeah, exactly. download, download that bad boy on the Android app. If you were carrying around anything running the Android system, you can have the shows automatically upload to your phone. How cool is that? What more could you want? I think you've arrived. Yeah, we're like a virus for your phone. <laughs> um, but uh, so be sure and, and contact us. The announcing live announcing events are about to strike. We are about to uh, be outside and uh, be able to talk to you, or at least mispronounce your name here coming up very soon. I think the first race going to be either the uh, the trail run, the Spokane River Run, or the um, Radiant Lake Triathlon. Oh, is that when's Radiant Lake? Uh, I should know well, that. Don't, but Everett's. What, what's the race in Everett? Everett's in May. Yeah, so Everett's. If it's May six, that could be our first. No, I think the trail run is in. Oh, April. river. Yeah, the river runs, river runs in, April. in April. And okay. I think I could look up Radiant Lake. I could go on Facebook and look up Radiant Lake. Triathlon. Radiant Lake, I think, is in June, isn't it? Um. Well, how about I look here, Mark, while you fill. I'm pretty sure because the Radiant Lake put on by uh, <laughs> just some awesome people. They, they also put on the uh, – um, that's Kurt Dupuis. Yep, Kurt and Christine. Yeah, Kurt and Christine Dupuis. And they – I mean, talk about people who run a great race Ooh. and a straightforward good race. Okay, um, I'm on crack. It's June 5th. I told you June. Did you? Yeah, oh. I said June. Well, that's what I get for not listening. Yeah, Radiant Lake, very shallow lake. Nice, nice little neighborhood, though. It is. Um, I think race. they're still selling some houses out there. Um, it is. It is. It's yeah. one of those planned communities that they did in uh, northern Idaho. Really, a nice place. Very nice place to live. And um, hopefully, we'll have more crits out there. We did some Tuesday night criteriums out there that were actually kind of fun. It's a cool little loop. Yeah, it, lo- it looked neat. I didn't get to race those, but those oh. were those are great. My my Tuesdays were filled last year, but oh, okay. those uh, I I would like to race them this year. I think they they looked like a great little loop. It is. It is a good little loop, and it, you know it's it's one of those criteriums where you don't really have any. 90 degree corners so you're just flying the whole time everything's just really fast and i think the locals weren't exactly ready for us i think we had a situation where a car was pulling out that good old-fashioned uh kind of thing and then some dipshit oh i swore in the air some idiot uh threw his water bottle at the car because that's the perfect response you know when you're in in a bike race and you're being thankful for the people letting you drive you know block off your road out in front of your house so throw your water bottle by all means did he hit the car Oh, I, from what I understand, the police were called. Wow. Yeah, good old fat, you know, great. So let's spread the love of bike racing, shall yeah, we? Yeah, I, I don't know if that worked out quite like the guy who threw it no. thought it would. But, I think it was uh, probably one of those knee-jerk reactions, jerk being the key word. Well, I mean, who who pulls in front of that, though, too? I mean, let's be yeah. honest. I mean, yeah. somebody was looking to pick a fight when they pulled out in front. I mean, I don't, I don't condone throwing water bottles or spitting on a vehicle or anything like that, but you do lose your temper sometimes, and... Uh, you know, why did the guy pull out in front? It's not like you can't see a pack coming. Well, it's kind of a rounded current corner, so maybe I'd be could have happened. What Could have happened. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. I so, think you get the rednecks sometimes, and they go, I these cars. Yeah. You know, this yeah. road's my road. I pay taxes. You yeah. bike racers don't pay taxes. I pay taxes. <laughs> I pay a lot of taxes. <laughs> exactly. Um, we do have to say this before we continue on with the show. I know he's not listening because he should be doing something far more important than this. But it's little Chrissy Lucas's fortieth birthday. Today. He's forty today. He's forty. Today. I wonder if he's playing. Um, I'm sure he is. Uh, but he's down Cruxy down at uh, Zola. Hope, yeah. Hopefully, we'll be getting down there next month. Be opening for him. Nothing like a really goofy podcast with two 
bike racers coming on before a really important band. He got voted in the top two or three of the Inlander best live acts. Yep. And he just turned 40 and he, this is, we're only chiming this in because the guy's on the uh, Reve pack filler team and there are only four of us on the team. So we get to brag that one up. And I, you know, I mean, both of our guys, the Inlander, for those of our listeners in Australia, is actually our local rag, I guess. And I, I don't, I, I say that in a good, good matter. The yeah. Inlander is our local paper, um, comes out once a week. And also two of our, um, Arive team members were in the Inlander. Roger what? was ranked as the number two area triathlete to Sister Madonna Buddha. Oh, um, that's that's cool. That, and that uh, Sister sense. Madonna Buddha, for those of you who don't follow triathlon, <laughs> is actually almost the saint, uh, the patron saint of triathlon. She's an 80-year-old nun who has more world championships than anyone. Really? Period. Um, yeah, she... You know, I mean, she really embodies a lot of what it is to be a triathlete, and she's very gracious, and we're very lucky to have her in the Spokane area. Wow. Roger was second to her. I did rib him a little bit and said, wow, <laughs> you got second to an 80-year-old, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Um, and, and he took it very well. But, yes, Chris and Roger, both second this year in the Inlander Pole, which is, is pretty darn good. You What's know? our excuse? Um, we don't do anything fun or well. well a <laughs> podcast could be like the second. We could be one of the best podcasts. Podcast about cycling and random stuff. If we could create that category, by, I think we would be top ten by two non-experts. Yes, yes, and I, I think we would get I'm dreaming big. Yeah, I think we would get at least some sort of recognition for being the most off-topic. Yeah. I Absolutely. Think that would be good. Absolutely. We could definitely do that. Hey, big thanks to our sponsor or sharing sponsor here deal we have with there. We it's you know, we don't we don't really want to go out and uh, beg, borrow, or steal. We like to find sponsors that are involved with the show. Um, we have a great sharing deal with um, David McQuillan at the Sufferfest Studios in uh, wonderful Singapore. And if you have not experienced that What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, death March called the Sufferfest. Uh, you haven't lived yet. I have made an addict out of my co-host here. Oh, it's I, – I have honestly – I think in the last two weeks, I've missed two days without doing a Sufferfest workout. Oh, God. And uh, – You're doing them back-to-back? Back-to-back. Back-to-back. Oh. Back. Well, I mean, you know, you and I talked about this the last time. We were talking about the six-hour cyclist. Yeah. This is the way I thought. I don't have a whole – the time crunch cyclist. I don't have yeah. a lot of time. So what I do is I do the workouts, and I know there's a coach out there just going, you can't do that, you know? Yeah. And, and you're probably right, coach, but um, these workouts are good, and what I do is I try to flip-flop them. Like, for instance, there's one called Angels. So mm-hmm. – um, if I do, you know, like revolver, revolver is hard and fast, 15 one minute intervals and some yeah. treats involved in, in between. Yeah. Whereas angels is more of a sustained effort, more towards climbing. I'll do angels, then revolver, then fight club, okay. then downward spiral, yeah. you know, and you do those, those types of workouts that are just a little bit, you know, trying to mix them up the types of intervals because not every Sufferfest workout is geared towards the same stuff. No, they're, they're all different. Yeah. And, uh, I'm seeing results too. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm seeing it's it works, and you know you can't just do Sufferfest videos, but uh, it's Boy, it's when you're, they're awesome. When you're crunched for time, they're awesome. It's a lot of it's it's. I don't. I would say it's a lot of fun, but it is masochistic fun. It's painful. I mean, I find myself. In fact, after I was just doing one recently, I did a downward spiral again, and at one point on one of my rest breaks, I 
pulled my towel up to my face to wipe my forehead off, and I almost passed out from inhaling my own carbon dioxide or whatever you're exhaling the body. That's in the medical science here. Um, and I, Not to I confuse our listeners. Breathing that hard. I mean, it was it was evil. So, uh, Dave, is, and, and, you know, it's cool video. You've got pro races you're watching along. In Great sync music. To the music. Great music. Um, n- hardly any of which I know, which is kind of cool, you know, to hear this music you've not heard before and follow these, uh, follow other cyclists, follow great uh, race footage. And um, it's, uh, you know, the, the longest one's a little over an hour. I think, well, no, Local Hero is an hour 25. Is it that long? Local Hero's a, and, and I haven't wow. done it yet. I, yeah. I I bought it and now we've got it. Yeah. But uh, Local Hero's an hour 25. I think uh, um, I'm looking forward to doing that one. I'll be doing that one tomorrow. But uh, I think they're they're all awesome but what i like about them is they're thoughtful too they aren't it isn't some guy going go as hard as you can yeah, for as yeah, long as you can yeah. it is a structured workout and it actually makes your time on the bike fly by if you've yeah. got to be inside like last week the weather was horrible exactly yeah. it was rotten and so yeah. i was inside almost every day and it was i mean you know you if you're if you're there for an hour i mean it flies by granted there is this thing that's interesting with them because it is modern technology. I have no idea how they do this, but somehow they are able to reach into my watch, and the minutes that I recover are far shorter, far shorter. than the minutes the while I'm actually going. under effort. And I yeah. don't know how they do that because the minutes that I'm under effort are very, very really long, long. Yeah. minutes, whereas the minutes I'm recovering seem to just go by so weird in a second i have no idea how they so do that weird. um thank you to the guys at suffer fest yeah, for the it's, time it's all warp. david yeah it's all david and this guy's this guy's a machine and it just does some really brutal brutal stuff to you if you want to go pick up a video i don't care if you're if the weather's getting good so you're going to get stuck inside here still folks uh you got to go to our website first you got to go to uh, packfiller.com because we uh we have expensive beer tastes and we need the 50 or so cents we get from each video. Well, did you know that um, they sponsor races also, and they sponsor the fourth-place finisher from every race because they say the fourth-place finisher is the – their videos will put him on the podium. Yep. Exactly. Oh, they're brutal. So there's a little link off to the the right side. says, obviously, the Sufferfest. Little man squinting and crying. I and, believe he's uh, bleeding out of his eyes. Bleeding out of his eyeballs. Yep. So go check it out. And uh, thanks to David again for being a part of the show. We appreciate that. So we're, uh, yours truly has been trying to get him on the show for a long time, and it is not David's fault. It is my fault for trying to schedule around crazy things and the fact that he lives in Singapore and I live in the great inland northwest. Both S's, though. Yes. Yeah. Spokane, Singapore. Yeah. yeah even though Singapore is not a city. But. Well, it's a region. It's close enough. Yeah, close enough. Spokane County. Close enough. Okay. Season's here. Hot Uh damn the season's here. Here we go. uh, Saddle up. Yep. I don't, I, you know, I, and for all of you living in warm climates, again, F you, but um, we finally got the weather. It's turning a little bit our side. We've uh, finally got some early season races. We've got one this weekend, and we're all so excited, but neither of us are able to attend. Well, I'm not saying that I'm not racing because okay. I may, it, it just depends. I, I, For those of you guys who don't know what I do, probably those in Australia have not heard of me. <laughs> But uh, if you wow. actually have, that's kind of cool. Um, but And thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I'm actually an attorney. I had a case that should have settled. It has not settled. Um, and I've got to meet 
Saturday morning to try and settle the case, which puts my prep into Sunday. Um, it's just the way it works out. That's my job. Very important that I do my job because I would not be able to afford the beer for the podcast because you guys will not buy the Sufferfest videos from our link. I'm well, frankly disappointed in our yeah, leadership. Some are, but not our me. Leadership? Yeah, leadership. Our, really our leadership. Not our not our listenership, but our yeah. leadership. <laughs> um, but uh, – no, and that's but uh, we're, we're but I digress. Tour of the Frozen Flatlands the is frozen our first flatlands. race, and it is appropriately named because last year it snowed for a good chunk of the race sideways. It snowed sideways, it's brutal. and there's nothing worse than kind of getting back into the season and getting shelled while the snow's coming down sideways. It was oh god, it was a death march last year, and it'll be a death march this year. But they, they actually figured it out a little bit better, I think. They did a small, a shorter time trial for the first time trial. It's uh, yeah. five point eight miles, oh. and uh, on a road bike, you cannot bring a time trial bike. And no, no extensions. No extensions. Nothing. Wow, it's got to be a mass start bike, and wow. uh, which I thought was kind of cool actually. Yeah, which gets more to our topic later, but. Uh, <laughs> um, the which uh, you don't know that, but it does get to our topic later. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, and then it's the second day's road course, which is a twenty-five mile road course, which is fairly flat on the first day. But so, it's windy flat. Yeah, it's windy. It's not. Yeah. It's not that much of a hoot. No, and, and uh, rollers and things like that. And then are they? Is it the same course on Sunday that it's been? Uh, yes, it'll be the, the, the first day death march. Yeah. Um, oh man. Which was brutal. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, to be honest with you, it's a great race, great people who run the race, but it's hard to get excited about that race. I mean, but by the same token, it's always fun to race. Yeah. So race at anything. It's fun to race. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess, I guess we could start with the first kind of pseudo topic of the day, um, in terms of how to start the season, how to get ready, um, gear wise, preparation wise. Let's say if you're racing tomorrow, a lot of this is going to obviously be no duh, but, um, you know, I think it'll just bring some, some interesting comments and, and funny stories from back in the day of, of not being properly prepared for, for a race the next day. Mm hmm. Um, I just have a whole bunch of little bullet points here. How many people don't think about things like replacing the chain, like um, you know, making sure everything's oh, you know everything's tight, or or how many morons show up with brand new gear at the first race of the year? Oh yeah, never, never, uh, never been tested or or even run out. I've I I remember showing- I've seen wheels. Like that's yeah. the one thing I see more problems with wheels. Um, like race wheels, so they'll have like a deep dish. It happens a lot more with triathletes than I think with road cyclists. But I've seen a yeah. lot of problems with like deep dish race wheels that just don't fit a frame for whatever yeah. reason, for the way they go in, or the the cog is complete. The cog is say a uh, campy cog on a on a oh, you know with the, with and the guy's got a Shimano, Shimano derailleur. Oh wow! You know, I mean, it's just you're you know <laughs> you're running your training wheels. Oh, I, re- I I do remember many years ago there was a guy who finally replaced his chain, not knowing this should be a regular occurrence. Replaced his chain after about six years of riding the same bike. You could see each of the each of the teeth on his front chain ring looked like shark fins. Because oh yeah, it had been bent and altered for so long. He put this new chain on, and obviously, I mean, everything slipped. I mean, he stood up. <laughs> I mean, nothing worked. Well, everything mates. Yeah, and you know, you get that much train stretch, it's going to just destroy all your all your everything. Your rear wheel, your you know, your chain rings in the front. You got to replace the whole drivetrain after that. And not to not to make our friends at Velominati. 
um, oh. angry because we worship Velmanati. We do. We do. Love yeah. you guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, Frank's got a really cool thing. The, going uh, I remember hearing a story about George Hincapie where you know he he'd be riding along <laughs> and they'd say you know how you feeling today, George? And like no chain because the yeah. chain is the biggest piece of resistance. So yeah. if you didn't have a chain, but you're still going, that feel like, like there's no. You feel like there's just no chain. That and is a great one. I tell you, that's right because. I mean, anybody who's out there, if you have not pulled your chain off, cleaned your chain and your rear cog, you know, I mean, you need to take it apart. It's a cassette. Take it apart. Put it in solvent. Put it back together and you, it'll feel like a brand new bike. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's remarkable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I mean, that's just one of those things, you know. And new gear, don't just throw it on right before. Uh, Roger Thompson, one of our teammates, can remember the day that I actually glued on a tire <gasps> the night before a crit. This, I was a junior. I was I was a young kid. I was I didn't know any better. Velaminati, new rule. Throw it in there. <laughs> don't be Pat. I yeah. think it's the rule. Soap should be glued on yeah. well before a race. Bulger's an idiot. Don't glue Did on a tire. One? Oh, right in like um actually I made it about two thirds of the way through the crit. And um this is back in the day when I was pretty fast and I had a little solo kind of break going for a preem or something like that. Just greased it out in a corner. Just Clement glue all over the place, all over you my must ass. Have hit so hard. Oh man, it was so rear? bad. Did you roll the rear? Uh yeah. You're lucky. Oh yeah, front would have been uh, That's <laughs> death. I'd be Eating through a straw right now. I remember, I remember going up, and this this was actually the poor kid. Um, I was never, I was quite, I was not the nicest person back then. But really, and then and you went into law. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. But I remember there's this kid, Mickey, and uh, he rolled a tire. He was from Republic, Washington. Remember Mickey? I, all I know is who would ever name their kid Mickey. But he was a nice kid, strong as an ox. Just okay. and we were up in uh, Kamloops, no. and he rolled a tire going. Up the first climb, <laughs> and we looked at the tire afterwards, and it was a little like just like one slight bead of glue, <laughs> like on the tire. I mean, it was just like what? I mean, what's wrong? I mean, I see a problem. I I would I that would be a show into itself because <laughs> I mean the way I glue tires on is oh. I go I go like I throw a little little lube a little thing of uh, glue around the rim. Let it get tacky. Yeah. And then I do a, a full on I'll use almost a tube of glue per tire. Yeah. It it was it was yeah, I, I mean maybe I maybe, gotta be honest, I haven't bought it I haven't bought a sew up in, in ages. My I race wheels are, are so and I bought oh, okay. I, and Roger and I did them together and it was we probably went through almost two tubes of glue Holy to glue crap. those on. But I mean really? They're not gonna roll. Uh, well, I mean what how much is tire glue? I I don't even know anymore. Two fifty. Three bucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you don't go crazy. You don't want glue squishing out and getting in the brakes and on the rim. Oh, man, that's, that'll stop you cold. Who needs this <laughs> brakes? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but that's that's one of those things is like of all the things to do. But yeah, you don't glue them on the night before. I mean, I and you see that every year too. God. But I mean, tubulars are not as popular as they once were. They're they're the best right around, but they're, they're, yeah. they're not as popular. They're very expensive. Um, yeah, and but, oh god, I haven't done it in so long. I can't even remember. I used to use the Clement glue, but and just yeah, I mean, we'd use a ton. I yeah, mean, the tape rim tape would come off before the tire would come off. If oh it's yeah, glued on now so badly. Um, but to finish that story, uh, 
I remember Roger's parents drove me out to this race and I crashed in it and they're, they're feeling all sorry for me. And so, you know, they had just bought a brand new car. Oh, the, the, is that the Colt Vista? Yeah, the maroon one. No, that was, oh, that was the station wagon then. The Woody. Yeah. Yeah, the Woody. Yeah. So this thing, folks, this is like 80s. It was a, cut them some slack. It had the fake wood on the, on the maroon station wagon. Nice station wagon, actually. Yeah, Clark and the family truckster. Yeah, um, I sat in that thing, and unbeknownst to me, they had just, I mean, the new car smell was still in the thing, and I had Clement glue on my ass, and I sat <gasps> in their fabric seats of their car, and got glue all over the inside of that car. It was there. I, if, if that car's still on the road somewhere. There's Clement glue from my ass on that chair. I guarantee you, if that car has been melted down, that Clement glue probably survived the it process. We did. It was, and I just remember the look on his parents' face, just kind of going, um, "No, that's 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 fine. Um, as, as as long as as long as you're okay." Well, you I mean, shit. I remember I remember crashing in Volunteer Park and having Todd Norton's parents. I think took me to the the ER, and I think I <laughs> bled all over their car. <laughs> And I mean, no, they picked me up from the ER. But I mean, you know, that's part of, to be honest with you, hopefully we'll get a, a junior cycling program and that's part of the deal, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, to be honest with you, I, I'm so grateful now and I was grateful then too, but I think now I look back on it and realize that's great that you had that kind of family around you at that time to just pick you up from the hospital when, yeah. you, when no one else would, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, you didn't worry about a, a family picking you up. I mean, your teammates came and got you. And, yeah. You know, I mean, this wasn't a pro team. I mean, we were duct taping things together every Oh, day. hell yeah. Hell so, yeah. So that was, yeah, trip down memory lane. But yeah, yeah. Clement Glue, that's... Uh, so... That, there we go. No new, no new equipment the night before, or even even a couple nights before. You need a couple weeks. Uh, you know, a tire change. That's one thing. But you know, handlebar stem, freaking oh. cleats and shoes and all that kind of stuff. Don't don't wait before the race. The one thing I would say too is look at it like an analogy of uh, the. You're better off racing something dirty or screwed up if you don't know how to do it than, yeah. than racing something new. It's very similar to new running shoes. You would never run a half marathon exactly. or a marathon in a brand new pair of running shoes because it could ruin your race. You could get blisters. You're likely to get blisters. Yeah. You just don't do that. So look at it like new running shoes. Look at it like anything else. Nothing new. Nothing new. Yeah. Tried and true. Yeah. Nothing that's, new. That's tried perfect. and true. Yeah. Yeah. Made that exactly. up right there. Nice work. You better... Patent that one really quickly. Uh, okay, next one is, and I'm, I'm copyright it. I'm still waiting for mine, and I'm pissed. License, get the license and get it early and get it there because you're not going to be able to show up to a race, and they don't do one days. They don't for, do them anymore. It, it depends not on for the threes. category. Yeah, not for threes. Do they do it for fours. Yeah, fours oh, and fives. Yeah. They do it. because um, I honestly, I mind you, I haven't sent in the club dues as the club president. Um, but uh, that's a bottle cap. For yeah, our listeners. For those of you wondering what we're doing tonight, beer tonight from Big Sky Brewery. We've got Moostrol, Heavy Horse, and Trout Slayer Ale. Yeah, and it's it's burpy. Apparently, it is. It's yeah. very gassy. My microphone beer. smells like a love beer. the multi-directional mic when I even go out of the yeah, way and yeah. it still picks it up. Yeah, that's... mine's mine's not. See, I can I can burp over here and you can barely hear it. Pat farted. I burp here. I didn't fart. Pat farted. Um, license. Get get it. Get it there. Get it ready. Get it. Pack it for crying out loud. Pack it. I oh, I've gone to races without the license. Yeah, but the license is oh, now. Shit. I mean, you can. I always when I was a junior and everything, I just carried it in my wallet. Just carry it. 
Yeah, because they're they're just a card, and they're good for one year. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, true. just carry your license. But Pat's right, though. Pack it. Yeah. Put it on a checklist. Pack Cha- it. Change of clothes. Pack. Oh yeah. If I had a dollar for every douchebag that was showing that would you see him driving home still in the chamois. Even after a wet race, chamois time does not equal training time, boys and girls. The longer you wear your shorts does not make you more fit. Oh, I agree. And it's kind of like how good it feels to put on clean, oh. dry underwear after oh. you've had to sit in wet shorts for a while. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, chamois time is not equal. It, you yeah, know, while gross. I agree with rule five from Velominati, that does not, no. Yeah. And it's disgusting. Honestly, it let's, is let's, it's yeah. revolting. And, and to, to, yeah, oh god. And we are not neat freaks, folks. No, no, by any stretch uh, of the imagination. My other stupid word of advice, and this is under the duh column: uh, food and drink. Do not change your diet radically. I did the twenty-four a twenty-four hour race where a good friend of mine tried a new diet at the race of food that would that he would eat during a twenty four hour race. Wow. Oh, he was gone. He was vomiting after weeks at me a week after hour six. You know what I did? You know what I did once? I had decent training. I mean not decent, but enough to to do it well. But I was worried about hydration and I I, um did the uh, Seattle Marathon. And so I was worried about hydration and, and so I did a ton of Gatorade throughout the race. And so I was and and goo. And so I was just trying to stay hydrated and stay up on goo. Too much sugar. Oh. And it's like I, I usually Ooh. don't do that much Gatorade. I mean, and I tried to make up for it, and literally one of the, it's the only race I've ever had where I cramped up, and I think it was due to too much sugar. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, yeah, you go tr- changing things around, and, I mean, there's some awesome video. I mean, I finished the race, but, I mean, it was like a 4.30 effort. <laughs> um, and uh, and like I was – a hunchback. Oh, Thank you, Harry. Oh, you should see me. Thank you, Harry. You should see me trying to run across the, the finish line. I mean, it's oh. literally like – It's – I mean, the analogy would be to that uh, that chain ring with the bent yeah. teeth. Yeah. I mean, I'm running oh. with that. Oh, I can, oh. I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, I mean – you know, you always finish the race, but yeah, I, I regretted that. So yeah. having done that myself, I agree wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, these are things. And train with the beverage or the energy gel or the drink that you use. I agree with that to a certain extent, except there are exceptions to that, such as I've run into a, the problem with that with some hammer products where I trained with them religiously. A great product to train with. Yeah. It was... Uh, That's what I train with. Um, yeah, I like Hammer Nutrition products, but there's one that uh, just didn't work for me. It has upset my stomach so badly at race time in the Ironman. That- just, just at race but not training? Exactly. You bump it up one notch wow. and it did it to Roger and it did it to another. I, I'm not going to give the product name because I don't want to no, no. be negative to the product because it, it really did work well for me in training. I mean, because you're doing those long rides and so yeah. you're taking in all these carbs and it's harder to eat them and it was liquid carbs basically. Okay. And uh, I mean, I do literally. A lot of, I do a lot of their products too. I mean, I my my basement i've got tubs i look like a pharmacy down 90 percent of hammer products i've really had great luck with it was just um, the one that didn't work it just didn't hit you and, right and and you know and i thought it was training but i've had three or four other athletes actually have the same effect and wow. i tried it again i thought maybe it was just bad luck and i did it at the at the next uh race i didn't have a bad reaction i just had heartburn the first time i did iron man okay and i just wasn't able to 
use it after about 60 miles in the bike. Wow. And then, uh, so I tried it again. I thought maybe it was just a bad day. Maybe my nutrition was off. And I literally threw up and, uh, like 40 miles into the bike and, uh, and yes, finished both these races by the way, but, uh, (laughs) um, threw up and I just, I, what I did was I tossed both hammer products. I just threw the bottles. It was a liquid product and I just started grabbing the aid. But fortunately in an Ironman, there's enough aid that I could switch to bananas and everything else. And I I felt better by about 80 miles into the bike, but it was, it was brutal. Oh God. It was not a good day. Okay. But yes, generally train. (laughs) Do it every time except for when it doesn't work. Well, I mean, you know, but race, maybe if you have an A race or a B race, race the B race and see how it goes. If it goes poorly, then tweak something, but give yourself a couple weeks to tweak it. But understand that sometimes when your nutrition matters, bumping it up a notch can make a difference. Has for me, has for other athletes, but... Generally, I think, Pat, 99% of the time, mm-hmm. good advice. <laughs> okay. Good so, advice. Um, my, th- there are a couple ones that I, you know, and these don't really uh, have to do with, you know, but I think I think every uh, cyclist, uh, triathlete, uh, runner, whatever sport you do out there has to follow a, a one major rule of the year. And this one is for all. Um, I was an ex, I, up until last year, due to, conflicts of interest i was a usa cycling official Mm -hmm. um and there was if there's one thing i learned over the years as as a bike racer as a spectator and watch you know being a part of of two olympic trials being a part of multi major you know races and and being and being involved in those thank be nice first of all don't be an a-hole at the race. Don't be the guy who's yelling at a corner marshal. Ever. Or don't be the guy who's yelling at a promoter. Ever. Don't be a guy who's yelling at an official. Ever. Do it. You know, there, there are ways to talk to officials when they're cracked. They're way out of their, you know, out of their realm of normalcy. Not naming any names, but there's one guy who's just a complete idiot. But um, be nice. Some, yeah. Be nice. You have to be nice. These people are doing... Officials get paid a little bit. Promoters get paid, let's be honest, probably not as much as their efforts are worth. Especially the corner marshal who's out in the freaking middle of nowhere. For you. Yeah. Who's standing there with a sign in his hand. Snow's coming down sideways. For you. Yeah. The pack has gone by. You dropped or something like that. Right by and just simply throw out a, hey, thanks for being here. Yeah. You've... You, it's so freaking easy. Just do it. Besides, you idiot, you're riding around with a you're moving billboard. Oh yeah, you are wearing sponsors all over your body. Be a nice person. That's that's. Oh god, it pisses me off to hear people yell at volunteers. You know, I think I think yeah, that's absolute good. Yeah, I you mean, know, great as, advice. As Dalton said it in Roadhouse. Oh yeah, I want you to be nice. See how I did that? I brought yeah. in one of my favorite movies of all time. See, everybody said Roadhouse with Pat Patrick Swayze. The when when yeah. the great Patrick late the moment late. of silence. Moment of silence. All right. Okay. That's good. And uh, but but everybody said Roadhouse and Dirty Dancing. Everybody's like Patrick Swayze. You know the great and I, you know Roadhouse. Careful. Okay. Careful. I'm going to say okay, but for me, I'm saying Red Dawn and Point Break. That's just me. Everybody says oh, Roadhouse yeah. and Dirty Dancing. I'm going Red Dawn and Point Break. That's just how I roll. And That's you kinda... had pre-insane Charlie Sheen in Red Dawn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
Was C. Thomas Howell in that one? You also- yeah, he was. He was the kid who said Wolverines while he was standing on the on the hatch of the thing. He was Darn the guy Skippy who went from the scared kid to the rebel kid. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then and then if you get into um, Point Break, you have uh, what's this bucket? Um, Keanu. Matrix Keanu Reeves going. I am an FBI agent. agent. <laughs> hey, Nailed this, that line. It's your wake up call. It's your wake Brody. up call, Bodie. Oh my God, I remember that movie. That's I a good own one it. Do you? Oh, I own it. I own Roadhouse in VHS, still wrapped in plastic. I won't open it. Why would you? Because it's on every five minutes on, like on TNT. It's like the Bible. But I, if I, especially, I think it's worth more now that Swayze's gone. Well, Roadhouse too, though. It's probably worth two, three bucks. Uh, maybe double that. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, the other thing with that, though, the best part about Roadhouse is really the beginning. The end, it where he's chasing the guy through the house with all the dead animals and all that stuff. That's kind of cheesy. That was a bad climax. I'll yeah. give you that. That but, was a bad but the climax. Beginning, there you go. Classic Swayze. Oh. I'm not bagging on Roadhouse. I but, thought you'd be bigger. But I, I just think I, I think the beginning is is spectacular. I think, you know. But you look at Red Dawn; it's not like that it has a really awesome feel good ending. Um, yeah, well, but then they again, didn't America up. America did get America invaded did. and nuked, yeah. so that's a bummer. By Cuba, yeah, yeah by we got Cuba. invaded by Cuba, yeah. and I believe Nicaragua. Which, well, the Russians had to have been involved because there was the one guy who was yes. that sounded German killing. Killing the the Americans was yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Who are these Wolverines? Who are these Wolverines? And that was the guy who played, oh my God, we're on a tangent. But that was the guy who played a lot of bad guys back in the late 80s. Ah, uh, but we digress. Yeah, because I could go into the fact that he was in a Clint Eastwood movie, one of the Every Which Way But Loose. Um, Let me other introduce things, you to my little friend. Other things to be ready for at the race. You know what? This is a pet peeve of mine. I'm kind of in a, in, this is helping, that uh, because I came my to the show tonight. Friend. I was in a little bit of a grumpy mood, uh, but this is actually, uh, because this is my little bit of a rant, and I notice this at more and more often at races. The, uh, the the how long do you truly need to warm up for a race? <laughs> um, a road race criterium or time trial? Uh, let's let's go all across the board here, okay? Because if I go to another road race and I see people on their trainers, a trainer in the parking lot for, of a road race for forty five minutes or longer, what the hell are you warming up for? Thurlow Rogers said it best to me, best one day to me, the great Thurlow Rogers, who I've been trying to get on the show, but Thurlow, come on, he's a hey. Facebook friend, but uh, Thurlow said to me once, he said, I asked him how long you need to warm up for a road race, he says, that's what the first few miles are for in a road race. Yeah, What are you true. warming up for? You go out and you pedal around your bike, make sure the damn thing works. Well, I mean, if somebody goes hard in a road race, I mean, there's a couple road races where you might get a mile out and then there's a climb. I mean, that... Okay. You know... Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I, I've, I've seen people on their stationary, oh, on the trainers, you. spinning in the parking lot for hours. Yeah, I... I for know, a Cat 4 race. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I really don't understand that. I mean, love to hear some feedback on that one because uh, <laughs> not really sure the... The uh, training, but it seems to me like these are likely the same people that will spend hours and hours on a trainer also together. That's how they spend their time. I mean, they're, they, yeah. it's their identity. They all set up the trainers and they sit a circle and they, they talk to each other and they train each other and push each other. And so that's how, that's kind of their comfort zone. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to worry about getting hit by a car or anything. <laughs> I mean, 
Me personally, I mean, if once, that, they, once the snow's gone, I mean, that trainer gets dusty. Only way you can talk to another person <laughs> is if your bike's bolted to a stationary <laughs> device. Other well, than that, I'm going to fall over in a car. <laughs> well, I'm warming up. But that's the whole thing. Is, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, most places, especially around here, I mean, if you're there's some crits that you really do need a trainer to warm up on. But. A crit? Yeah, I'll give you a crit. You know, especially if you're in a downtown area or Traffon, something like that. same thing. You know, there's no room. You've got a transition area. Isn't that what the swim's for? I think I think there can be some benefit to warming up the legs a little bit before, like, a sprint try. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's so fast and so hard that, you know, you, you might there might be some benefit. Me, personally, I've never done it. But, I mean, there could be some benefit to it. Yeah. Mountain bike races I've warmed up for. I've warmed up for regularly because of mountain bike races. It's so pretty, hard. It's pretty so hard fast. right out of the gun. Yeah. It's like a time trial. You yeah. You got to be sweating when you come to the line. Might as well be. So yeah. I'll give you that. Okay, I'll give you. That. <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh man. I just. I, it's I, still I, ridiculous when you see people sitting there. I mean, we've seen people at races, and this is not an exaggeration. We have seen people at races warming up. I would hazard a guess an hour before oh, the start yeah. time for a road race, like a sixty-mile road race. That's not. I mean, it's not going to be a heavily contested. No, and I'm not going to pull a punch. It was a woman that I saw doing that, and you know, this was an early season women's ra- women's race. Um, I've been talking to Connie Carpenter on Facebook too, and I want to get her on the show too to talk about the greatest, one of the greatest women ever to straddle the top tube in her life. But um, you as- said straddle the top tube. I did. <laughs> I love it when you say that. <laughs> um, Connie, uh, um, uh, this has nothing to do with Connie. Why did I even mention her? I'm a name dropper. But it, tonight, was, yeah. it was a uh, it was a super short race, and and she spent probably forty five minutes on the stationary trainer. Probably in the, the equivalent lot. to half the race. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, but once again, I mean, maybe she won because I didn't even stick around for the end of that race. But maybe and she won. She didn't fall over while talking to her friends either. No, so no, guess. and she didn't get hit by a car. Yep, two yeah. birds killed with one stone. Yep. Oh, so um, I but guess- true though, but true. I'd be interested to see some of these training philosophies, and and I do think that maybe some of that is, and that's a subject for another show. God, we need more shows. Yeah, but uh, the uh, the idea of basically following what a coach tells you to do without any thought as to the logic behind it. You know, guilty of that myself, but I would say. You know, yeah. maybe you don't need to warm up an hour bef- for for an hour and a half race. Yeah, just spitballing here, no wrong answers. But uh, <laughs> I'd like know. to talk. I'd, I'd also, you know what? In fact, that should be the next show. Is just talking about coaching in general. Oh, I think so too. And um, who's qualified to do what? And how? You mean if you've got a great marketing plan? Apparently, you're a great coach. Well, yeah, and I think that's true. Nothing against Carmichael because Carmichael's a good coach. I'm not. I'm not. No, avoiding no. Carmichael. But there is there is a piece to that, and I also think that there is uh, you know it, it's hard to say because you also have I, I use uh, Mark Few as an example of the Gonzaga basketball team. A great oh, you're pulling basketball into it. Well, I'm going to say that because there is no way um, I'm guessing, just guessing, and I don't know about it. There's no way Mark Few was a dominant force who who destroyed college basketball in his playing days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a coach, remarkably effective. Yeah, remarkably effective for a mid-major out of out of Spokane, Washington. Remarkably effective. You just lost half of our audience. Why? Really? I don't know. Just bring in a baseball comment. You probably kill them all. Let me talk about uh, Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but 
but I would say it's hard to say what makes a good coach. And I guess my point is, is, is a great cyclist going to make a great coach? And that's probably not true. It, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't correlate that way, you know, but there are great cyclists who are great coaches also. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you have to, I think as an athlete, you have to find what works for you. Okay. And I think if you've got a coach that was a, a gold medal cyclist, um, which I guess there's a really only one, but let's say you've got a or a, or a world champion cyclist or okay. you know something like that, and you've got this this coach that and you aren't seeing results from it, you should probably consider a different method. And that's my point. <laughs> you know, you need to look at your results regardless of how much you respect this person and what they've done, because what they may have for you may not work for you. Yeah, my biggest problem is just how much these guys are charging, and, and to the average person, again, it's becoming a sport for the wealthy. Elite white man, and that's why we love Velominati. Yes, Velominati. Actually, Velominati is just fun because they're just they're old school. Oh yeah, you know. And and speaking of Velominati, kind of brings me on to where we were going to go. Another direction where we were going to take the show, and uh, and I guess uh, the sport or the sports because we do mention triathlon and and cycling, and I do a little running when I'm being chased. Um. What kind of people are the people that attract to these activities, to these sports? Who are the types of people? If you were to take a snapshot of a pack of riders, what are the personality types you would pull out of that? And you know what? I think most of these athletes can be pigeonholed into a personality type. I actually think you're right. And and I I've I've I've, I've without any scientific study. Without very little knowledge, I have a minor in psychology, and that's about it. Um, I have categorized, and you can agree or disagree with me, five personality types that makes up the Probably bike racer. Probably 99% of the peloton. The bike racer. I think you're right. I, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear what you got. Let's hear okay. type one. First one, I simply call the obsessive. Okay? The obsessive, constantly fit, always monitoring diet. Kind of the person when you go to a, a, a um, what's the to the chain Olive Garden would ask for the the breadsticks, but could you please remove the oil from the breadsticks, or perhaps the uh, the dressing from the salad? Bowl. Yes, on the side or something like that. How, always has the newest gear and looks perfect. The obsessive. Yep. These are not bad traits, boys and girls. But the obsessive is a personality trait of the bike racer. Probably many a times, very successful bike racer. Many also. times very successful bike racers. Yep. Um, because they they live their sport. Um, can they... That and it works with this sport very well. A clean bike. Yeah. A, a clean, you know, there's a uh, Sufferfest video, I think. And I remember, I think it might be Revolver. There's a where you warm up and there's a guy with a flapping jacket in front yes. of you. And and it drove me nuts <laughs> the first time I watched it. And I'm sitting there going, What is this guy doing with the flapping jacket? And I, yep. I mean finally, you know, it comes up on the screen and says, This guy's flapping jacket's yeah. driving me crazy. Let's get around yeah, him. Yeah, get past the flapping jacket guy. And I and I think, you know, that is uh that is very true of cyclists like the successful cyclist will not have a flapping jacket. The obsessive. Okay. That's that's my first. The second category is the competitive. All right? 
This is the person who's always comparing times, always comparing mileage, always comparing um, your gear versus my gear, and many times is what I classify as a half-wheeler. You will be side-by-side with them in uh, a two-person pace line, and they have to be a half-wheel ahead of you, or they take a slightly longer pull, or when the person in front pulls off, they're the ones who accelerate just a little bit at the front of the pace line, just to gap you, just to piss you off. The competitive person. I know several people okay, like I'm this. I'm going to say for the obsessive, though, we're looking at about 20% of the Peloton. You think so? I'd say 20. Wow. People look pretty good these days. Yeah? You know, people are looking pretty good. I, I, you know, and then like... Triathletes are predominantly obsessives. I would say 80% yeah. triathletes yeah. are obsessives. And and it just suits that personality. And once again, these are not meant as these are not negative. derogatory comments. Yeah. You have to be obsessive to uh, to succeed. The triathlon training alone is just it's it, it encompasses your life. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. been a competitive cyclist since I was twelve, mm-hmm. and it, it is a part of my life. But it is not something that I'm. I have to live every day. I trained for a marathon in two thousand, and it was it was all encompassing. It became every day, all day. Thinking about nothing but when I got to get my running shoes on and go out. Oh yeah. Um, so we got the obsessive, the competitive. Okay, so you you're thinking about twenty percent of the peloton is obsessive. Uh, 15, you could be a combination of 15, these. Two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fifteen to twenty percent because people are looking pretty good these days. We yeah. should categorize ourselves once we're finished. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah absolutely. Um, so obsessive and competitive. Okay. So our third category of of, of person is um, uh, this is a three type of a category. Okay, I have three names for this, and don't be thrown by the first. Word. Okay. Okay. Hipster. Okay. Dudester. Mm-hmm. Merkster. Merkster. It's an Eddie. Yes. Okay. The, the hipster Oregon resident steel frame kind of a guy. Now this category See, hipster though hipster I'm always thinking fixie and so that yeah yeah that's why you, that's why you said don't don't get thrown okay yeah right. the dudester okay. the, the the dudester is a hipster but on the mountain bike. Okay. Right. Okay. The dudester is the mountain bike guy who's uh, who's come from the mountain bike peloton sure. into the road peloton. Sure. Um, sometimes might even have the baggy shorts. We'll see. Yeah, even though that is a rule breaker might not on Velominati. That's a rule. Both are rule breakers yeah. on Velominati. Um, and the Merkster is the well, kind I of guy. Well, I believe you can break that rule if you can throw the hurt down on yeah. the shaved legs. If you can yeah. throw the hurt down, otherwise you're Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So I think I should almost just call it the stir. Okay. Hip stir. dude Merck. Stir. The Merck stir is the kind of guy who looks like he was born on a bike and still has wool jerseys and stuff like that. Pretty cool. So, well, sometimes they have huge flowing beards and yeah. they stink really bad, too. Can happen. Yes. Yeah, they use those crystals for deodorants. Well, those are nice. <laughs> They pray to the. They pray to the stink gods. God, oh man, I hate some of those guys. But you know, I I remember I used to have a friend who was one of those who was a teammate of ours for many years, and he's the guy who uh, would show up to a, a weekend stage race. He'd bum a ride off of you. He'd show up with a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter, and that was that was his food for the weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the stir, that kind of guy. Yeah. Or unless you're dealing with, I guess we could, I might need to have subcategories because I know a lot of mountain bike riders. You know, Cadell Evans is kind of the stir. He might be a stir because he came from mountain biking. I'd say he's still obsessive. No, really? Okay. Yeah, see, I'd throw Cadell Evans obsessive. I don't care if, I mean, he was probably the cleanest gosh darn mountain biker you ever saw. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll bet everything was perfect. Okay. Okay. I wonder if, uh, I don't know Cadell Evans personally. 
No, but I've just heard about him. I wonder if he's a total nerd. And I don't mean geek. I mean nerd. Could be. I don't know. He just seems like kind of a gullible guy. God, I don't know. Guy can ride, though. Yep. Oh, so, <laughs> speaking of which, next next category is the geek. Now, when I say geek, I don't talk about the geek we've talked about in past shows. Okay. I talk about the geek who was uh, not a star in high school, not a, a high uh-huh. school quarterback. Uh-huh. He was probably on the cross-country uh, running team, mm-hmm. um, kind of a social outcast, still a nice guy. And uh, naturally, just kind of has uh, you know just that that just falls into cycling. It's mm-hmm. one of those things that always fit, but doesn't really have to worry about it. Yeah. So the geek. Okay. The geek. I I know a lot of kids who are like that, and wow. I that's that's where the junior cycling. If you if from. you're gonna ask me like where I fell into that, yeah, I, hands down the geek. Your geek. Hands down the geek. Except probably not on the cross country team. Hands down the geek. Um, it suited me. It was a good fit. Um, I am definitely not the obsessive. No, Um, neither am I. You know, the other thing is, is, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, if I were to look at that and that's a good portion of the cycling crew, if you look at yourself in the mirror and go, why did I get into cycling? It wasn't because you couldn't fit in anywhere else or you couldn't play another sport or you couldn't find something else to do. No, it was such a fun fit. Yeah. You know, that's where I was. I mean, you know, yeah, absolutely. I when I first started, it was it was uh, an alternative, not an alternative. It was an it was an off season um, for my downhill ski racing, and mm-hmm. uh, um, and I remember it, and I missed out on a lot of the when our club became huge because I was always a couple of years ahead of you guys. Yeah, and um, I I did most of my training alone. Yeah, you did. You were stuck to your like cat two, and yeah. You, yeah, I mean, there was nobody even as a cat three yeah. by the time you were racing by yourself. So I'm still, I, I, I still do a good amount of training alone. I just always have. It's been mm-hmm. one of those things. So I guess I'd be kind of the geek too. Yeah. I'd fall into the geek, maybe with a little Merkster thrown in because I'm still kind of dwelling in the good old days. Oh, absolutely. Oh, if we're dwelling in the good old days, definitely I'm a Merkster geek. But yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, there's that part of it, and I, I really, you know, I. I I hate to drop the f bomb, but the the rule five on Velominati is harden the fuck up. You have memorized the rules. I'm, what do you think I do for a living? Oh wow! I haven't memorized them. I just kind of know where they all are. Hey, Frank, when you listen, if when you listen to this podcast, we got to get you guys back on. But I got to have you guys on with Mark because I just did him on the Last Man Standing show, and uh, I got to have him on with you. Oh, it was. I mean, I I just think I agree with ninety nine percent. I don't know. I think you can wear a sleeveless jersey. No. Yeah, I think you can. Take that back. I think you can. Oh, I, no. You got to understand the amount of the amount of triathlons I've you've done. You got you've got triathlons in your nice. blood. You do the I, oh god, there's you know I announce a lot of triathlons. We do. Oh and yeah, I, we do. I, um, I, if I see another sleeveless jersey with arm warmers, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to kill somebody. Don't get me started about that. No, I'm not. No, whoa. There, there is a rule for that. <laughs> Easy, counselor. Uh, whoa, whoa, Do not whoa. accuse me. Objection sustained. <laughs> Objection. <laughs> Judge. <laughs> He's going to let him ramble. Um, but uh, no, I mean, yeah, the, 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 you wear sleeves. Yeah. Um, but, oh, uh, I hate them. They're, you know, to the, uh, to the triathlete's credit, though, they're wearing a one piece out of the water. And 
you hit those early season triathlons in the Pacific Northwest, oh, you two would throw any piece of clothing on. But me, I've never done it just because then I'm like... somebody's got to invent an arm warmer that covers up over the shoulders. Well, I agree with that. But I mean, I've always just sat there. I mean, I've even I've even had arm warmers like in the early season tries and just thought, really? The rest of my, my core yeah. is covered with a thin sheet of lycra um yeah you know that's like I, I'm wearing, out. that's like wearing knee warmers letting the gap form between the shorts and the knee warmer. yeah no, wrong wrong always yeah. you yeah. know you know i think you can push the arm warmers down during an attack on a on a early season race yeah oh down at, down at your uh, down at your uh at your wrists kind of go there. sean kelly with it that's euro looking yeah, that's, go that's sean cool kelly. you yeah. can go sean kelly but no i mean yeah i just yeah i I do got to kind of – I mean, if you're a triathlete and you can do it quick in transition, I understand why people wear those arm warmers because it's at least something and it, it does help. But You just said triathletes do it quick. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I'm because, one of them. It's because they're the obsessives. <laughs> I, I would say, you know, that would be interesting. I, I think your, your part – your uh, um, I got one more. Categories. Oh, what's the other I category? I got one more. What's the last fun? category uh-huh. is simply phrased the mutant This is a person who is the crossbreed of Superman and like Lance Armstrong's remaining sperm. Mm -hmm. I call, you know, the perfect example of a mutant. Andy? No. Oh, yeah. Taylor Finney. Ooh. Taylor Finney is born from like the, the Venus and Zeus of cycling. How about Eric Hyden? But Eric's, Eric's gotta have a kid though. Oh, that's true. I'm saying it because Taylor comes from Davis, Finney, and Connie Carpenter, Finney. This kid is just, I mean, come on. Yeah. There's not, great. Please don't put him on a bike because the rest of us would like to enjoy the sport. Yeah, that's true. It's over. But he's on our side. He's a USA guy. So he's like Captain America for How's he doing? How old is that kid? He just turned pro with BMC and uh, and he's uh, he's had kind of a couple speed bumps this year so far. There's a couple injuries, things like that. He's supposed to start uh, Roubaix next weekend. Um, I don't know if he's starting Flanders or not this God, weekend. can you imagine being injured and starting Roubaix? Yeah, yeah. That's just got to be crazy. Well, he's won it twice as an amateur. But I mean, but being injured? Like, yeah. Can you imagine having like a knee injury and taking that kind of a pounding? Oh, shit, no. <laughs> I can't imagine taking that kind of a pounding. That's what I mean. Outside of prison. Healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, I'd have to pay for yeah. it. Um, <laughs> or I'd have to pay to not have it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, just that, that pounding. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. If, the, if anybody who's racing the Perry Bay downloads this, please, please let us know. What the hell are you doing listening to geez, us? Jeez, man. man. Be yeah. Thumbs um, up. Yeah. I don't. We had Andy. But the mutant, I would say Andy, uh, what's his name? Um, we, we, we've talked to him. I mean, we've talked about no, not Hampston. Andy. No, Andy. Who's uh, we had Hampston on the show. Andy, Andy, Andy. I just um, Andy McDermott. Um, you oh. may not know him. Yeah, I know him. But I mean, Andy McDermott kind of came on after us, and this is why I think he fits into the mutant. Uh, no, category. he's a mutant obsessive, though. Yeah. Oh, definitely obsessive. Yeah. But but uh, but mutant because here's a guy, great soccer player, great athlete his whole yeah. life. Thinks you know what this whole cycling thing looks pretty cool and wins a national. Championship. I think he'll throw it. Yeah, I hate those people. But he's a mutant. Yeah. You got to say that. Yeah. There's your mutant. That I think that Roger is... Thompson's a mutant. Yeah, he's a mutant obsessive. Also. He's a mutant obsessive. And you know what? I'm just looking at these. We, they can all be combined. You can have a hipster mutant or a hipster geek or a competitive mutant obsessive. Um, it, damn, I'm good. Mm-hmm. 
It's amazing Absolutely. what I do on my show prep. Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I mean, the fact that you can combine all those categories yeah. shows such insight and really intelligence yep. that uh, hopefully we didn't lose our audience. Yeah, this <laughs> this segment sponsored by Pack Villa Productions. Yes. Um, you know, let's move on. Rule of the show. You've been constantly quoting the sh- the, the Velominati boys, and they have given us permission I, to bring up a rule of the show. And oh. um, if you have not been to our friends over at Velominati.com, you're missing out because you're obviously listening to the podcast because you're involved in the sport in some way, shape, or form. It's a great sport. Yeah, and 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 you have some kind of a history and you understand what's going on. So get over to Velominati. These guys have, I think you said it in the last show, it's, it's the perfect bike geek website. Well, I mean, it's the spirit. Yeah, yeah. So the rule of the show, and I picked these without asking Mark's permission first, rule number 39. Wait, can we just say rule five always applies? Which is? Harden the fuck up. Harden the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me when I'm posting the show to put the explicit, explicit content back I've, up I've on wanted, the show. I've wanted to quote rule five all this week. Rule five was coming up, but rule five always applies. You know what? If you're listening to the show this far into it, just shy, you know, we're getting up to the hour point. If you're listening to the show this far, you've been listening to a good portion of the shows, drop us an email. I beg you to drop me an email. Let us know if you want to hear a swear or not. Oh, actually, yeah, that's great because I want to hear from the audience. Yeah, no kidding. You know, do you are you cool with us dropping f bombs? If you are, we'll let her fly. I think for rule five, though, it applies. You can say it. It means yeah. it. So I'm I'm quoting rule number thirty nine on this show, and I quote: "It's it's a little paragraph, so hold on with me. You should never leave home without your eyewear." You should not make a habit of riding without eyewear, although approved extenuating circumstances include fog, overheating, and lighting conditions. When not worn over the eyes, they should be neatly tucked into the vents of your helmet. If they don't fit, buy a new helmet. In the meantime, you can wear them backwards on the back of your head or carefully tuck them into your jersey pocket, making sure not to scratch them on your tools. See item 20, by the way. It says tools must fit in your back pocket. They cannot be on a bag on the bike or one of those stupid little bento boxes on your top tube if you're a triathlon. Well, I think I have a problem if you that, have a man. triathlon bike and you're doing an Ironman, a bento box is, is pretty cool. But oh, God, uh, I think you have terrible. Well, they're, every they're, they're fiber handy. of my being is against those things, and I guess that's why I my triathlon I have done. I was really bad, but there's no reason. To, I mean, in a shorter triathlon, you're not going to need a bento box. Yeah, I mean, you're what screwed you, anyway. What are you carrying your keys? <laughs> I mean, give me a break, man. Yeah. I mean, a bento box is really useful for carrying a few items of nutrition that you cannot get on the course. Okay, okay. Uh, aside from that, no reason. For, I, I own a couple bento boxes, and I'm sorry mm-hmm. to say that. But, a couple. But you needed you, more than one. No, I lost one. So <laughs> but you found two. it again? Oh, okay. I, okay. But you, I, didn't like, yeah. you didn't have like two. No. I mean, you got to put one on this bike. You know, I mean, I'm, I've considered buying the water bottle cages behind your seat. Um, but uh, for a triathlon, I'm giving you that. And yeah. for a TT, if you're doing yeah. – a triathlon is a super long time trial. Yeah. So if you're doing it behind your bag, you know, behind your butt, that's – I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, I'll that's – I've considered that, but but I will uh, – Grab um, me another one. I, um, but but I, I, I've got to say, you can't – and I think there was the, the – um, temptation to do this was to compare cyclists to triathletes and you're you really are comparing you know cows to dogs not apples to oranges cows to dogs who's the cow triathletes oh um you're calling a a triathlete fat 
No, very useful and tasty. Like if you were to eat a triathlete, they'd be delicious. <laughs> I don't think well, – they'd be probably a, like a tenderloin. It'd be too lean. It'd I mean, be really like, lean. I mean like the cyclist would be – Cyclists are lean too though. Cyclists would be pretty lean, but we would be filled with drugs and, and really oh, bad yeah. hormones and things like that. Oh, because yeah. God knows our sport – and has taken everything under the sun to gain an advantage. We're like the baseball players of endurance sports. I, I like to think of I like to think of the triathletes as kind of the corn fed veal. <laughs> um, but uh, but That's again, they're putting all their money into gear. They can't again, afford it. I, we digress. Yeah. Um, so I guess the rule was about eyewear. You know, um, I. Did, I have a father who was shot in a hunting accident and has one eye, glass eye, and who always demanded every time I step outside the house I was wearing some form of sunglasses. I buy my kid the coolest sunglasses in the world because if he's going to wear them, Done. All day. Yeah, problem solved. I've always been a huge fan, uh, believer in, in eyewear no matter what. Now, do they fit into the vents of my helmet? I have freaking no clue. I have to. I have to admit, I agree with I that, that statement. I've tried to fit my um, eyewear into the vents of my helmet, but I do not trust the vents of my, my helmet. Yeah. So I therefore put them in my pocket. I put them in my pocket too, and I, I can't put them behind my neck because that's just going to get all sweaty, and that's just going to it's going to bother my neck. And I, I've always felt that putting them in the vent of your helmet is a little too fashionista. Uh, you know, it works. I mean, if you can make it work, and you're not worried about losing. Your eyewear, great. You know, it beats trying to reach around and grab them, and they don't get smudged. Yeah, but in the jersey, they're going to get. Yeah, smudged. They, they always get smudged in the jersey. But once I put them in the jersey, I'm not putting them back on, though. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you're going up over a pass on uh, Lapduet, I'm not Lapduet because yeah. you, you'd finish at Lapduet, but yeah, um, just. <laughs> yeah. But if you're going up Piece over a pass in the tour, and you've got three other passes. You know, you're getting you're, somebody to hand you a new pair. But you always see them tuck them into the vents yeah. nowadays. You, that's what you see. And it makes sense there because... They're being paid to wear them. One, they're being paid to wear them. <laughs> Two, if they lose them, someone will bring them a new pair. Oh, God, yes. And three, it looks kind of cool and that's what you do. But, I mean, for people like us, yeah, I'm going to put them in my pocket. Okay. That's yeah, I'm roll. the same way. I'm the same way. So rule number 39... Wear the glasses because oh, how many times have you had a rock bounce off of your glasses on or a, a ride, bee. or a bee, or I had a burger hit me once in the face. That's that, yeah, that was last show. That was last show. Yeah, was last show. I uh, I had a forty that uh, I actually got <laughs> thrown at my head. It's not a forty; it's a forty. It's a forty. <laughs> yo, check this out. You're dead, man. Yo. Um, <laughs> Life's coming your way. I still think we might have to break out the video camera and do a reenactment to that entire ride. But I don't know if we could get the fear in your face. I don't know if you could ever get the fear in my body. I actually, my, uh, and, and I think we're over an hour, but uh, one of the things, maybe this is for the next show, I have a Garmin and uh, it records my average heart rate and uh, it records the distance and everything yeah. else. And I think I went 14 <laughs> miles that day. Because I, I I called it a day early, yeah, and uh, I think I went fourteen. I'd love to see that bar fourteen graph. miles, and uh, my average heart rate was one sixty seven. <laughs> now my uh, average heart rate on a Sufferfest video right now is one fifty one. That's that's peaking with anaerobic efforts yeah. at one eighty four, one eighty five. <laughs> I mean, I'm peaking. I'm I'm 
dying yeah, at yeah. one at, on a Sufferfest video, and I'm doing an average. But there's good recovery in there too. But I'm doing a 14 mile ride with an average heart rate of 165. <laughs> That's just because you're terrified of some guys <laughs> popping a cap in your ass. Yo, check this out. I got a 40 coming your way. You thirsty, yo? <laughs> oh, right. dear God. We, we and got, again, we digress. We got time for the top five list, and we got to do the top five list because it is time for the spring classics. We're going to fly through these. Top five reasons to watch cycling on TV. Ooh. All right, baseball season started today. I think I tweeted this morning. I said, "Great, baseball season started." No, like I sit want to sit down for three hours and watch dopers. Pl- oh, Ooh. never mind. Did you say dopers? I did because that, that was my joke. Because I'm saying that cyclists and uh, dopers. dopers. Yeah. Uh, but top five reasons. I'm going. I'm going from five to one. You can react as you want. Top Dope. five. The fifth place. The Euro fans. Yep. Drunk, flag-waving, huge crowds. I want to be there. I want to go from pub to pub, and I want to watch the classics with them. Yep. 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 Absolutely. That's number five. Number four, the ongoing tragedy that is George Hincapi. Okay. Explain that. Every, I, you know what? I've Sorry, Villamonati. I've been rooting for George and the Perry roubaix for years. And I've now assumed the role that no matter what happens, George is going to have something shitty happen to his ride. I think, you know, and uh, the one thing I will say is George Hincapi, I actually have raced in, in a field with George Hincapi when I was a junior. The guy was, he fell into the mutant category. Oh, um, God, yeah. He was so... His brother in, was a friend of mine, roommate of mine. He was so incredibly strong and such a good rider. Yeah. And he still is. I mean, you know, not not bagging on him, but uh, boy, you look at uh, you look at his... His pedigree, it's great, but I mean, he basically was a lieutenant, and I don't know if he's going to do much on his own now. He's kind of long in the tooth. Yeah, I, I think I, he's I a think year he's, younger than me. I think his I think his years of potentially winning Perry Roubaix are are gone. I hope uh-huh. I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope I'm, I'm wrong, wrong too. And, I, I'm rooting for him too. And we will find out soon enough. April 10th, Perry mm-hmm. Roubaix. So, um, but but the other thing about uh, George Hincapie. He won a mountain stage in the tour. That was that was a beautiful day. Yeah, and I mean, I want to I want to go ahead and throw down because yeah. I don't know. I mean, hey, George, if you're out there listening, tweet us and tell us we're assholes. Yeah, but uh, once again, please tell us if you want us to swear. But uh, um, <laughs> I think we're going for yeah, it. Yeah, it happens. But yeah. I think uh, that that mountain stage that George won, pretty remarkable, especially considering the type of rider that he was considered. Yep, and yeah. So Great that was writer. number four, the ongoing tragedy that is George Hincapie. Number three. Definitely worth watching. Number three is three words. Paris effing Roubaix. Done. Best day of bike racing on TV, just behind um, maybe some of the stages in the tour, big the stages, stages in the tour, and maybe behind uh, – uh, um, no, it's I think it's ahead of Tour Flanders. I'd rather oh, watch yeah. Paris Roubaix than Tour Flanders. Tour Flanders in, is in three days, but uh, that's what I'm saying. No, it's 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 good. The Perry Bay though is there's something magical yeah. about that race. I mean, I don't, and I know it's the cobbles and all that, but yeah, that's it is the cobbles. Yeah, I really think the cobbles make that race. I mean, it, it that's kind of like cycling's badasses yeah. coming to play. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's just it's it's like the world championships of one day racing. A brutal. I think one I would racing. almost rather, and I don't know, but I would rather win the Perry Bay than a world championship. I might. I mean, yeah, it comes without the curse. Yeah, that's what I mean. I might, like if someone were saying, Mark, you can win the Perry Roubaix or you can win a world championship. 
I might take the Paris-Roubaix. You would be remembered more probably for winning the Paris-Roubaix. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There we go. There you go. Uh, number two. And another three Neither words. I'm in any danger of doing. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Just saying. I, I sent in my application, but nobody would take me. Yeah. Uh, number two is another three words. Okay. Phil and Paul. As sports commentators on a much lower scale, Phil Liggett and, and Paul, Paul Sherwin. Sherwin. That's, I mean, a reason for watching bike racing. That's like chocolate and vanilla. It's, yeah, I mean, that's just good stuff. It's comfort food. Oh, they yeah. are. They represent bike racing. Period. You could get them confused. No, no, but I mean, but Phil's the so Jackie good. Stewart of cycling. He looks like Jackie Stewart. But they're just, I no. I mean, but just, basically. but you could. They're they're such. Great announcers. Yep. I mean, I can't. I, I don't know. I, I I can't say anything. Um, thank God you guys are around. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if we lost them, the sport would change. No offense to Bob Roll, and I got to throw an honorable mention for Todd Gogolski because Gogo does a great job over Universal Sports. Um, I think Universal Sports does a great job. I do too. I don't like the guy Rob's uh, Gogo's on with. No, but I think I think Gogo does a great job. He knows the sport. You know he does a, he does a good job of knowing the sport and he also does a good job of being articulate. So it's yeah. it's a nice feature because some um some cyclists really can't do that. And yeah. he really can. And he, he he yeah, definitely worthwhile. Okay. And uh number 1, I don't know if I went in exactly perfect order, but number 1, I'm just going to categorize as the champions for the Spring Classics. It's watching the people who are expected to win actually doing it. Fabian Cancellara, um, Tom Bonin actually. Uh, Sean Cancellara Kelly, is one of my favorite writers. Yeah, Sean Kelly in his days uh, watching just, you know, an ex, a, a predicted winner actually handling it and still riding away like Cancellara did last year in Flanders and, yeah. and Roubaix. It was just freaking awesome. Cancellara had a great year. He yeah. had a good tour of Italy, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know about that, but I think he was like fourth. You keep thinking that he placed in the Tour of Italy, and I don't think he did. But we'll look that one up for the next show. Oh, he opened up the pimp phone, even though I'm sitting in front of a laptop. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh huh. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with my guns and um, going with it. Um, and have you found anything yet? Because I'm wrapping up the show. No, there, wrap it, there, wrap burger it. boy. Um, thank you, everybody. Another episode of the podcast coming to a close. I, you know, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about for oh, our yeah. show anyway, so uh, we'll just roll with that. Be sure and check us out on um, on our website, uh, Facebook. We have a profile page. We've got Twitter. We've got we've got everything. I just I have way too much time on my hands. If you want to listen, we'll be there. Exactly. Uh, live events coming up very soon. Uh, big thanks to the Sufferfest. What am I forgetting, Mark? Big thanks to Velmanati, man. Yeah, I yeah. mean. Uh, Rule five. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Harden the fuck up. And which I actually got to say on the air. And my wife is giving me a look like I've just sinned something horrible. I'm sleeping outside tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for the downloads. Uh, we will catch you in a scant two weeks. All right, thanks. Good night. <laughs>